Maybe that's a great hook. Hook. Hooking. <laughs> Philadelphia uplink successful. Welcome back, Commander. We're live. We're live once again from New York. Wait. <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sorry to not answer your full question as I was trying to quickly get set up, but what's, um, yeah, I've been in Switzerland. What's, uh, what have you been up to? Any excitement on your end the last, uh, couple of weeks? Yeah. we get the to business? The wrong type of excitement. It's been a crazy past couple of weeks. Oh no. So there, there are a lot of things that have inhibited my content watching. So it, wow. it was like a couple different things. First of all, I was moving apartments. You were? Yeah. So uh, I started looking actually like end of January. It it was like, it was a process. This was the most difficulty I've had securing an apartment since 2015 or something. Jesus. Wait, so you, you didn't have one bought or not bought, whatever. Rent, uh, you hadn't signed anything. You were, you were in the process of looking. Yeah. For a new, new lease. Got it. Because my COVID deal expired at the old apartment and uh, it was going to be like four, $1,400 more per month, which just doesn't work for me. So <laughs> that doesn't work for me. So uh, wow. I just want to say that the the rental market in New York is absolutely insane. I don't know if you've been reading anything about it, but um, no, I think there I were thought like, you- yeah, I was just to say, I, I think there were a couple of TikTok videos that went viral from like just the sheer amount of people that would show up to an open house for your standard $3,500 rental building or unit in New York. It was like, like there was really? one I read about, I think in like New York Magazine and it was in the West Village. And I think they had several hundred people show up in like the span of like two hours or something. That's nuts. I was still under the impression that you were in like this, you know, magical fairyland of, of post-COVID where... You know, everyone. I guess. I guess we're talking about some sort of whiplash of, you know, rental price cuts. I guess right, like mid post COVID, and then suddenly everyone's like, ah, oh, it's actually cool to live in New York still, and it's cheaper. And then there's this like huge over demand. Is that that sort of the the dealio? I think that's part of it. And then what I also heard is that pretty much every single company, especially those outside tech, like predominantly in finance and stuff, they all ask their employees to be back in the office full-time like mid-February or early March so everyone's now coming back trying to lock something in and then I also heard that a lot of people had their rent increased or were like told prematurely from their landlord like hey your lease ends in six months but you know it's going to be going up like a thousand dollars so you know so there's this massive massive shuffle all happening at once that's insane and like every single unit we went and toured, it's like if we could even get into the open house when we would leave, if we wanted to submit an app, it's like, oh, yeah, this one already has like 20, 20 apps on it, 15 apps, which is insane. Yeah. And then basically everything we saw was rented on the same day it was listed or and or they went above the listed wow. price. So like people were lobbying in some rich offer. Well, <clears throat> it actually it honestly makes me feel uh, better. I mean, not it makes me feel terrible for you, obviously, but it makes me feel better for like, honestly, uh, not to, I'm taking this so off topic, but I've been deeply afraid having bought my house in like, I mean, you know where my house is and yeah. the Midtown area and all these like Atlanta style folks who've been fleeing to the suburbs during during uh, COVID have been like, wow, like don't want to buy in, in, you know, in the middle of the city or, or, or whatever, because everyone's headed to get a big open yard somewhere in the suburbs and we're going to see like the great reversal of like urbanization in America over the next few years this is the beginning of the tide change and like I've been saying fuck that but I didn't have any data to back it up exaggerated in yeah, my opinion it sounds like a way yeah. over exaggerated those people are now just have a longer commute and we're all going back to the office <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that so is that the only was there more going on or, or yeah that that was just the the start of it uh, <laughs> oh no oh no yeah and it, it really really didn't work out for us because we had timed the end of our like really long covid lease to coincide with the period of time during the year when it's typically maybe like slightly less 
inventory, but way less demand, better deals. And that just did, it's the exact opposite of what happened to us. So <laughs> instead of cutting our rent, we're like, we more than doubled it. So that's always good as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And I was like, I should have just bought a fucking house with this money. This is a waste. Well, yeah, I mean, but, I'm not going to um, say anything because you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to go what ahead you're and throw out that I caught a lot of flack when, about on this podcast after buying my house. Uh, when you explained to me as being a renter, uh, improved your flexibility. Probably would hold the same line, but I'm just going to throw it out there that, uh, you know, you could be building equity. Congratulations. I, I mean, that sounds terribly painful, but it sounds like you ended up on top. So, uh, yeah, so, so that one was a big win for sure. And then took some pseudo l's along the way l's yeah losses ah. <laughs> yeah ah. the uh the lingo i'm sorry i don't i only take dubs so i don't really know what <laughs> yeah. an l is don't really know the other side of that but <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm, I'm only i'm only, only winner <laughs> i'm only a winner i don't take losses <laughs> uh, uh, but actually so you've been taking some l's <laughs> yeah yeah, it's not purely a good feeling. for tax reasons. I yeah, assume, for... <laughs> these are more like exogenous events. <laughs> but basically, um, when we applied, when we applied to this condo, yeah, when we applied to this condo, the guy was like, "Okay, there's this really complicated, highly invasive app that you have to fill out, but I'll let you know in less than a week if you're approved." And it, like goes to the condo board. He's like, "That's my friend, so like, no big deal." I was like, okay. So we submit the app. We wait over a week. And then we check in. We're like, what's the deal? And he was like, oh, yeah. The management company just told me that your app is not being processed because what? they're missing a bunch of information. And I was like, no, no, no. We submitted all these docs for sure. He was like, yeah, I know. But for some reason, they don't have it. So they were supposed to contact you. And I was like, no, never been contacted. So now we're over a week after applying and we're not even at step one. So I was like, we need to pull out of this. This is not going to work for us. And then the board president came back and was like, okay, if you submit your new docs today, I can have an answer for you in 20 days. I was like, that that doesn't work for anyone. <laughs> I was like, in 20 days, I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> yeah, the, the position of power that they must be operating from must be they're they're these people are just drunk on yeah, their they are they are. rental management power it's like they've built structure. their own like little empire in this condo building and that's their domain they rule over right i mean what happens as we've discussed before is capital and therefore the means of production begins to become consolidated in the hands of apartment renters in new york city specifically sorry the leasers of the pro- the property owners. Yeah, sorry. This is a this is gonna be a very long story, and uh, this is probably in lieu of me not having anything else to talk about. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because I don't have very much either. <laughs> so he's like 20 days. So we're like, okay, just get us a refund. This we can't do this anymore. So we moved on to the next place, and we're like, oh, found this awesome place in the old neighborhood I used to live in, and loved it. Wanted basically try to submit an app like as soon as we what saw it in Nolita. Yeah, submitted an app, got approved within 24 hours. We're like, oh, great. Signed the lease within 48 hours. Perfect. Moving in, everything. And then the day after we signed the lease, this building came back and they're like, oh, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. No hang refund, on. no refund. Uh, you guys signed this lease. So like, well, let's just make an exception. And apparently the board president was on the phone with a property owner on Sunday morning and he's like I'm making a one-time exception for you guys but this is not our protocol I was like okay so he's like, like he was like I don't okay, you're care approved. are you gonna give me the fucking <laughs> yeah. thing or not I don't care what your so, protocol yeah. is so yeah so late Sunday approved and we're like okay we're good to go but no because now we have two leases right <laughs> and at that point we're like oh, we are so fucked we have to cancel one obviously the condo one is probably significantly harder to get out of so we said, let's cancel the rental building like ASAP. And we literally just signed that lease. So they have plenty of time to figure shit out. So broke the news to that rental building landlord. Did not take it well. 
did not take it well, Ooh. no matter like what I said. And he was like, let me just be clear that I'm one of the more reasonable landlords in the city. So before that reason, I'm only going to charge you a three-month termination fee. What? Can they do Talking that? about tens of thousands of dollars. Like that, That's what I'm saying. I'm like, well, we already signed the thing. So like it's, it's legally binding. So I feel like we have to pay, right? Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to Bianca on this one because I was like, look, I don't want to invite any more stress into our lives. So I'm willing to just pay it and like make it go away. And she right. was like, we're not paying that. I was like, Good. okay, fine. Let's let's fight this thing. <laughs> All right. So I hired a lawyer that night, got him on retainer. He, you know, gave us the right guidance on like being very aggressive with going back to the landlord. And basically we went back then with our counter offer, which was like, we're going to pay you zero dollars and <laughs> see you in court, bitch. <laughs> you know? How about, how about, I'm not going to do anything to use. How about my counter offer is no. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I mean, yeah, well, good feedback. You don't have to really do anything is what my takeaway is. <laughs> That's amazing. How did yeah. you find this lawyer? Oh, man. Asking I found him friend. on, uh, yeah, right. if, uh, you know, I I can hook you up later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in the meantime, we were still freaking out because we didn't really know how much firepower the landlord or like how petty he was and if he was going to take this to trial. And then, yeah, after about, I want to say two weeks, maybe a little less than that, after we submitted that counter offer, we were checking Street Easy every single day. It rented and they got <laughs> it for the same Good. price. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel for you. I'm very excited that it worked out. That sounds very stressful though. And uh, yeah, I just, yeah. So I can't complain. Use some of that initial Uber money to go to Switzerland uh, this past couple of weeks where I've been skiing. So who the fuck am in I like, to uh, complain? Zermatt or <laughs> where were you? Uh, yeah, we were in Zermatt for three days. Uh, the the Matterhorn, um, which I primarily know from Old Spice commercials, uh, is beautiful. We also went to Catravalet, which is in the Rhone Valley area near the border with France. And then... Good Valley. Good Valley. Good good Valley. Wine. There's wine there. And then we were also in the, like, uh, near Zug, near Zurich, and we did some skiing there. That's pretty epic. Yeah, a few key takeaways. One is they love glaciers in Switzerland. Big glacier people. I'm also now a fan of the glacier. Lots of skiing on glaciers. Uh, not as steep as American mountains, but uh, very pleasurable. Picturesque, so, very picturesque. Picturesque, I would say, is a great description. And that's one. Also, two is, yeah, I'm very lucky to uh, have friends there because it's fucking expensive. And I'm still, I'm still obviously very lucky to have just been able to say that I'm going skiing in the Swiss Alps etc etc whatever but the fact that i was like staying with somebody that i knew for like 70 percent of the time whoo switzerland is expensive switzerland's like the og europe like when i was like yeah, a kid totally. like remember when we, we were like kids and like the euro was like doing way better versus the dollar than yeah. it is now and like i thought about it always being expensive to go to europe which is like not really the case necessarily now like switzerland is today's version of like you show up there and like the like McDonald's bill was seventy five dollars for like yeah, fucking seventy five for like three meal like happy meals and that gives you a sense of how insanely expensive the uh, the food is there so um so like yeah I'm I'm very thankful that we had someone that we knew that we were staying with for most of the time but absolutely epically beautiful I feel like I feel like European people think of skiing more as like a recreation than as a sport I feel like Americans yeah. treat it more like a sport have you have you been you have right uh been to the mountains in that area yeah yeah I, so I've been skiing there when I was probably like a teenager right well it's and the, the culture yeah like you're saying that the culture around skiing and like the whole lifestyle almost is so cool it's so cool it's the it's OG like opera ski. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of opera. I mean, it, it was like, yeah, it's more about like, let's casually ski in like very epic mountains yeah. between between like 
restaurants that sell me wine and fondue and it's like i spend my whole day just like casually skiing along glaciers like in the alps and it's less about like let's drop into this epic like powder bowl and like <laughs> and see if we can just go as Corbett's, fast as we Corbett's can pass in like, Jackson no. Hole. <laughs> everyone's just skiing like beautiful carving turns between like fondue places which i am totally behind by the way i'm not talking shit about that at all (laughs) so uh that's where i've been and as a result the majority of what i've been watching is uh, on the as we've already discussed one of the top streaming services delta in flight movies and so that's what's been dominating my consumption recently does any of that go into the podcast probably um Let's go ahead and say, okay, what are we what are we talking about today? So this is our second cast of 2022. We're going to be trying to keep up a bit more than we were, you know, the last few months because as you just heard, we have a lot going on in our lives, but the least that we can do is update you on what we've been watching on Delta streaming services or else, elsewhere. I have definitely, I'm, I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one that this is probably the saddest list that I've had yet on the Zeit, but maybe that's going to create the most interesting conversation is my hope because I have a hilarious list of what I've watched in the, since we chatted. I'm just going to run through it super quick and then we can, we can pick and choose whatever you think makes sense. I watched The Eternals. Which is a new oh, Marvel the, uh, movie. Marvel movie, okay. Uh, you know, puke. I watched the new Resident Evil movie, uh, which I fell asleep during on Delta, but then finished watching. I watched Ali Wong's new Netflix special, Don Wong, which is absolutely fucking hilarious. I watched the first half of Power of the Dog, which Ooh. is... Uh, yeah, our our good friend Benedict Alvin Coolidge, Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't know why I said Alvin Coolidge. <laughs> that's that's I don't yeah. know who that is. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch, <Yeah. laughs> Power of the Dog. Uh, I watched The Alpinist. Ooh, which I wanted. I figured you have either watched or have some two cents on. Or and I watched the full director's cut as Peter Jackson perfectly imagined it of fellowship of the ring all three and a half hours that is epic over like four days so that's what i've been watching how about you run through yours and then we can jump over to mine but let's give the people a a sense of what they're about to get into yeah i only have two and a half so this will be pretty quick this one's a bit old yeah i I watched this one a while ago actually uh What, just a year ago? One Way Down, or No Way Out, or I don't remember the name of that movie. The <laughs> the movie with the meteor that's going to hit Earth uh, Oh, um, with Leo and the, the Netflix movie that was like off, absolutely awful that everyone was really into. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we talked about that um, last oh, episode. Yeah. I, I can't remember. Okay. So we did talk about it. It was yeah we did and I I was telling you how fucking terrible that I thought okay, it was. I, see, I, see. I watched okay. half of it. It was called. Wait, we should actually. Uh, don't look up. Don't yeah, look don't up, look up. Right. Okay. Netflix special, terrible. Uh, made me made me die, inside watching it. Yeah, agreed. So you didn't like that either. So yeah, I finally watched it and like well, I watched the first maybe less than an hour and then, did something else while it kept kept playing. You know how last time we were talking about how every decade there's one like really defining, just crazy monumental movie, and Dune was probably that movie of the past decade or the new decade. Yeah, I thought Don't Look Up was like the opposite, where it's like the worst movie of the decade, and we can already say that in 2022. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad we got it out of the way. Oh, oh, Ooh. yeah. I it's mean, so what bad. I don't understand. The director has a track record of like some pretty great movie. I think he did The Big Short, Vice, Step Brothers. In, in, well, so in order for it to be so hate worthy, if I can use that, because I, I don't like to use the word hate in the in the in the real world, because usually usually if you're hating on a piece of art, 
it's not doing justice ultimately to like the intent of the people. But I feel like you can like hate something like Don't Look Up because it has like a hugely star-studded cast, a bunch of money behind it. I don't really feel that bad for talking shit about these people because almost all these actors I like legitimately respect. So yeah. I feel like I can like semi ingest say this is fucking terrible and like not do like injustice to like the world of of like artistic production. So again, with that aside, I think it has to be a certain level of competent for it to be so bad. And so yeah. does that make sense? Like normally we wouldn't spend our time like we wouldn't waste our time talking about how much we disliked a movie like Don't Look Up if it if it didn't have some level of like competence associated with like the actors directors and producers totally um and so yeah anyway that's where i've landed on it because i I, i've i've been like i did some thinking about it actually since our last chat and also listening to how controversial it is on some other movie podcasts that we i know we both listen to from the film cast to 70 millimeter so 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 yeah okay so that was one i'm sorry that you that was what you chose to spend (laughs) your time on so number two is i started watching this show called murderville this, mm. this weekend it's a new netflix show i think it came out a couple weeks ago it's will arnett is the main lead here and i think it's like a american adaptation of a british show where the premise is essentially like this detective and there's every episode there's some new celebrity cameo like guest star that appears on the show and then they investigate murders and it's it's supposed to be comedy and i think the interesting twist about the way this show is structured is everyone on the show in each episode has a script and like it's written and everything except for the celebrity guest and the celebrity guest is full improv just reacting to whatever people are saying and i'm sure they're telling them like what room to go in and like for how long and all that stuff but the rest of it is just pure improv. And they have people, I think, who are generally also pretty good with improv comedy. So, like, Conan is the first episode. Mm. Second one I watched was, like, Marshawn Lynch, which was a good good one out of left field. And then I mean, Kumail nice. Nanjani is, like, the next one. I'm not totally sold on it. I, I personally don't think... I'm not, like... I don't love Conan's sense of humor uh, as much as I used to when I was, like, a dumb little shit you know yeah i get it yeah so it, it was a little too pedestrian if i want to sound like a total douche <laughs> i would say using the word one out but pedestrian <laughs> it's like it's like using the word bougie to refer to something low class even though it was originally intended to be something to yeah. refer to the, the, the like capital class actually that's also a really stupid really nuanced joke maybe we can get this whole segment yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of layers there uh unintended no layers, no but i totally but, um, i jokes aside i 100 percent know what you're talking so i was like okay fine it makes sense to start off with conan just to get everyone kind of warmed up and then let's actually get into it so the march on one was pretty good yeah i'm not totally sold on the show just yet i, I really like the concept of it because i feel like you typically don't see this type of risk taking or creativity in a lot of like popular mainstream American shows. Then to have somebody as big as like Will Arnett as a lead and like pushing this forward was great. Yeah. But I really like Will Arnett in certain instances, but I think he can be a bit overwhelming and like his humor is really corny at times. And he definitely yeah. injects that into the show. So I'm sure he had some part in like writing it, I'm assuming. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch the rest. It's only six episodes. It's not the best show I've ever seen, but it's a good way to waste some time. That's good to know. I haven't, I haven't checked it out. I could use a casual like comedy. So cool. You said you, you had a third one or no? I have half, half of, a, of, a, of a one. Uh, it's actually a podcast. And... It's related to Murderville, so I also recently, I think a couple months ago, started listening to the Smart List podcast, which is Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes, and I, I guess all three of them are really good friends in real life, which definitely adds to the entertainment, but it's one of my all-time favorite podcasts now. It's Really? 
incredibly entertaining. It's it's hilarious just the rapport that all three of them have together. And it's even better when you take the way that those three interact and then you insert a stranger, you know, like a guest uh, interview uh, into that and like how they interact with them. It's really good. And some of their interviews get really interesting or deep into certain aspects that I think you and I would you know, tend to find pretty interesting to just conceptually think about. So they, there's no real subject or topic. They just have a bunch of really great guests on. And I would highly recommend. The first one I listened to was with Ricky Gervais, and that one was just an all-time episode. Sorry, wh- wh- so repeat what it's called exactly? It's called Smartless. Smartless. I am surprised you haven't brought this up with me before. Yeah, I. the, the structure is also really interesting where... They'll start off by just them three catching up about what's going on in their lives briefly. The guest who's being interviewed will be on the Zoom, but their camera is covered, so they they don't know who it is (laughs) except for whoever invited them. And then whoever of the three invited that guest, they will give some clues as to who it is, and they all guess. Then there's like a reveal. They'll do the interview. The person will leave, and then they'll talk about the interview right after that and how they think it went. I'm sold. I am so sold. Well, okay. Well, that's good. Okay. So you got some stuff. So let's, you know, you got some stuff. That's some good. That's, some, that's all right. That's well, all right. Well, everything I just said, that's it. I'm, I'm out of it. ammo. Yeah. <laughs> You've had more important things going on. Honestly, I would have almost nothing, like I mentioned, if I hadn't been on Delta's finest streaming service, only accessible on Delta Airlines, in flight or on the ground, uh, which is where I've watched most of mine. How much are you getting paid to say that? I wish it was fucking more. I'm only <laughs> silver status. So I've been in Delta. So let's, let's touch on a couple of things. I'm going to do super rapid fire if that works for you. Eternals. Yeah, I, I'm actually really curious to hear about this one in particular. Uh, Okay, so worst Marvel movie I've seen, I think. No. Uh, since, yeah, I would say worst worst one I've seen. So I've, I've only seen the trailer. I thought the trailer was pretty entertaining. The trailer was actually better than watching that latest Suicide Squad movie. Eternals, it tries to fit in, really quick summary, it tries to fit in like a whole nother universe of superheroes that I, I guess is, I, I don't know the background of it because I, I don't know the comic book background, but I assume it was like a, an acquisition or something of Marvel before it was acquired by and became a big movie phenomenon. Um, so they try and fit it into the broader Marvel universe. They like reference the whole, you know, Avengers thing, but they're also kind of like Avengers, but they're like have poor developed backstories. And uh, there's this whole like, I mean, there's some cool visuals and stuff, but overall, like very, and like there's some cool moments, but overall, very much not a fan. I w- would not recommend. Um, good, good. It's an okay, like, flight like put it movie. On the background and like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I don't, and again, I don't, I don't mean to like make it sound worse than it is. It's just, it's just like poor, poor, poorly rendered, um, relatively, right? So it still means it has super high production value being part of like the Marvel franchise. So, like, Super cool action scenes, explosions, blah, 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 blah. I don't buy, I don't like, I don't really buy the characters that much. Uh, don't buy how it, it co- goes into the broader Marvel universe. Cool, let's move on. The new Resident Evil, um, which I also watched. So let me just start off with something up front that you might not know about me. Um, I have a extremely weak spot in my heart for resident evil and so uh kate beckinsale is underworld and and mila jovovich is is resident evil and they're both obviously iconic in my mind action fantasy horror actresses and i have a huge weak spot for underworld and resident evil like i don't know where it happened like i never played the video games or or anything and apparently i guess like Resident Evil is like a video game background. I don't actually even know if that's true, if it started off as a video game as a movie. But weak spot. Like, huge weak spot. Like, I just love watching these fucking movies. Like, it just gets me every time. I like own them on Amazon Prime. No and way. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm a big fan. It, it, this is Resident Evil, Evil Raccoon City. I guess it goes back to the beginning. 
I would say it almost stands alone as a reasonably good like horror thriller. It doesn't though. So you do need to have like some idea of like what's going on in the world of Resident Evil um, to really appreciate it. There's some good scares. There's some good thriller sequences. Uh, overall though, I'm a fan. I'm super biased. So take that with a grain of salt. I would totally watch it though if you have any interest in, in Resident Evil. This, yeah, this is pretty interesting. So I have a question, I guess for context, I, you said a lot of words that didn't make any sense to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Something about a raccoon. That's, that's pretty much <laughs> the part I understood. <laughs> like, I'm I, sorry. I, <laughs> I've never seen Resident Evil. I've, I've known that there's something out there called Resident Evil. I don't, I wasn't sure if it was a video game or a movie or both, but yeah, I've, I've never like seen anything about it what what is the general premise okay first off thank you for stopping me this is what happens when i have like a background of not only not talking to anyone about this like weird obsession that i have but also just like watching a lot of it i assume everyone knows so i should probably pull up the wikipedia i'm just going to do this uh by the way completely off I'll, get the the, cuff, I'll get the MDib. Which, yeah, you can tell me how off off base I am. But I believe Resident Evil started off as a video game about... Damn, this looks intense. The Evil Umbrella Corporation of Raccoon City, which is like a, f- a pharmaceutical group that was doing experiments on people, blah, 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 zombies. So, uh, generally speaking, zombies, uh, zombie apocalypse, evil corporation stuff involved conspiracy theories fun 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 insanely badass um actress uh mila uh, jovovich who who is the uh also ukrainian born shout out ukraine lead actress in like a lot of these i don't think all of them but in like a lot of these movies and just is like a classic zombie shoot 'em up killer whatever uh but there's so many iterations of resident evil movies uh, in my experience is my experience that there's like you know some of them are more thriller some of them are more action some of them are more fantasy some of them are more like straight up horror it's just like you know it's a long it's a long series of different different films so i would put it in the category of cult like a, a bit of a cult a bit of a cult following anyway let's move on though i, I just checked the first two. First one metascore 33 second one 35 yeah seems must right. be one of those just you know under the radar classics like Alien Covenant. Well, <laughs> <laughs> purely based okay. on the meta score. Just to be fair, for <laughs> Alien Covenant, Alien is legitimately. You know yeah, how yeah, I yeah. feel. You feel yeah. the same way. Yeah, yeah. Those are fucking good, like legitimately good, under, misunderstood movies. Resident Evil is something that I am very entertained by, and I and I love, and it's I understand that it's not like quote-unquote high art right yeah um like alien is uh and i'm not joking for anyone who's wondering who hasn't heard our who hasn't yeah i know you i know you're not but for anyone who hasn't heard our our prior podcast we're not kidding about that okay i watched uh the new ghostbusters movie also i i don't i'm not sure if i mentioned that in my first list i would say definitely recommend it good production value it feels like a steven spielberg it has like the the classic tight story arc coming of age checks all the boxes not an amazing movie but very entertaining paul rudd though pulls with the heartstrings paul rudd fucking hilarious it re relives the original ghostbusters storyline a little bit but i'm not going to give it away any more than that um so blah 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 the next one I mentioned was Ali Wong's Don Wong. Have you listened to Ali any of Ali Wong's stand up? Like I saw her first Netflix special, Baby Cobra. Yeah, which is a fucking hilarious and horrible and intense and amazing. Yeah. She is. I cry. I like am crying laughing on during this one, and and I will say, um, we were talking about uh, other film podcasts earlier. The film cast previously slash film cast like they were someone um someone uh, i don't remember who on that was talking about this and they were talking about how ali wong is like you're not quite there ky but like they she's like 
sort of our age-ish and uh, maybe like a little older than us. And so her comedy over the last like five years has like perfectly followed like at least my life in terms of like family development. So she was like pregnant when Jess was pregnant. She has had a baby when we have a baby. It is just the dirtiest, most horrible, raunchy version of like everything that we're thinking as like a married couple with a child. And I'm going to leave it. I mean, it is so fucking hilarious. And again, the only reason I bring up the context is because I assume you would find it funny regardless. But I, I will say I found it especially funny because she's talking about why you want to cheat on your spouse after being with them for a few years. And Jess and I watched this together, by the way. So we were just like both dying laughing. And like what happens when you um are dating someone who makes who makes like a good living like i like you know i'm married to someone who who probably makes more money than me and and like like how a child like ruins your life but and so it is so fucking funny and so dirty and i love it i didn't yeah i didn't even know she had a new special out but uh it just came out i think yeah okay yeah i remember when i watched the first one it was like i so i think she's really funny when i'm in the mood for her sense of humor but then Sometimes it's uh, it's a bit intense. I'm, well, I'm excited to check out the new one and see how those topics have progressed. Over time. You should. I, I'm I've always been a big fan of her. Baby Cobra is one of my favorite Netflix uh, comedy specials. Um, yeah. Again, could be just because it hit me at like a similar time <laughs> in my life, but like I'm I'm like die, like crying, uh, laughing. Alpinist, the Alpinist. Have you seen it? Definitely. Definitely. You have. Okay. Yeah. I think you actually, sorry, that's a stupid question. You were the one who recommended it to me in our last podcast. I mean, probably. This this seems like something I would recommend. And so for everyone who's wondering what that is, The Alpinist is also a Netflix, uh, which is about Marc-Andre Lecarc. Le, 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 Sounds they about say, right. They say <laughs> it sounds really well. On the- it's about this guy who climbs completely alone. He doesn't seek the limelight. He's super young Canadian dude who is absolutely some of the uh, does some of the boldest solo ascents, ascents in history. He draws very little attention. He doesn't do cameras. He doesn't do rope. He doesn't do a lot of the shit that a lot of these other like free solo guys do. Leclerc's uh, approach is, let's see, Rotten Tomatoes has the essence of solo adventure. The Peter Peter, Mortimer, Peter Mortimer, uh, who I believe is the director, right? Yeah. He um, tracks down this dude, right? And he brings in the guy, Alex uh, Honnold from, uh, what's that? Um, oh, uh, Free Solo. Free Solo, yeah. Yeah, to be Legend. like. Yeah, he who's an absolute legend to be like a com like a, a really really helpful like guide to like why this guy is so interesting in the way that he approaches climbing. So yeah, I'm a huge again. Uh, I was also a fan, which I know you mentioned mentioned you were. What what are you? What were your? Do you even want to add any thoughts to it? Like I I like love the take on climbing. I didn't know I was interested in climbing. I didn't know I was interested in the personalities behind climbing. I didn't know that there were people who were so interested in climbing that are interested in climbing. I didn't know how terrified and excited climbing mountains could make me feel. Like everything about this was just a, an absolute like unexpected joy, I would say. That's great. Yeah, I feel like I went through a similar transformation where I randomly saw like, uh, I think another actually one of this Peter Mortimer guy's other documentaries like a while back. And I was like, oh, I think I like watching docs about climbing. <laughs> and then I remember the first time I went to Yosemite and did a bunch of cool hikes and stuff there and came back, especially when we were living in SF. There's that whole subcult, like really yeah. crunchy, pure subculture in Yosemite and like the climbing community. So yeah, just looking at this guy's list, Valley Uprising, and the Don Wall. I also watched both of those. Thought both were phenomenal. I thought the Alpinist was re- like such an interesting story about such an interesting guy and climber, especially to have somebody like Alex Honnold 
providing his perspective on yeah. like, this other great young climber also doing a lot of this like free solo type of climbing i thought this one honestly there are definitely parts of it where i was like it's kind of slowing down a bit or it's getting a bit bit heavy with the guy's story and like the, i thought the ending was like kind of it was a weird way to end like the documentary sure. but yeah it's, it's definitely a must watch maybe actually i'm thinking about it when I watched this, I had also recently watched The Rescue on Disney Plus within a few days of this. And that one was just that one was just so insane that it was it's hard to compare anything to that. I haven't watched that. I definitely thought you were talking about the rescuers down under at first. <laughs> Another <laughs> classic thriller. <laughs> Which I was like, that is really weird to bring up that cartoon from nineteen ninety-two. <laughs> or whatever it was i don't even yeah. know it might have been earlier uh uh i'll have to pick that up but yeah that's totally all, all your critiques are fair it's weird I, I had a really hard time i don't watch stuff like this really and so i didn't have anything to compare to and definitely think everything you said makes a lot of sense and i would have the same like guest critiques of it. but like overall i'm like wow like I'm just super glad that I happened to turn that on by accident almost. So if you watch that on Netflix, it typically will recommend this other doc called 14 Peaks. Okay. So I I also watched 14 Peaks pretty soon after I finished The Alpinist and 14 Peaks that that's a that's a doc that'll stay with you. Really? Yeah. Okay. I I would highly re- I mean, this is actually a must watch in my opinion. Basically there's this Nepali climber and he embarks on this journey to climb all 14 of the world's tallest mountains in like a couple months oh wow this is legit fearless nepali mountaineer nimsdai purja embarks on a seemingly impossible quest to summit all 14 of the world's 8,000 meter plus peaks in just seven months also, he looks like a badass. Total badass. Like an <laughs> absolute, absolute savage. <laughs> this guy looks so much. He could murder me like 10 times over. Not not in like a violent way. And more of a like, in like a, just physically so much more capable than me. Wow. <clears throat> okay. That's amazing. So great new wreck. 14 Peaks. Also Netflix. So that was, so we just hit a couple Netflix things. We have... Uh, we talked about, so just to summarize so far, because I feel like we've been all over the place. We had the Eternals Marvel movie, Resident Evil, Zombie, Origin, Flick, and Ghostbusters, all of which are available on the highly accessible streaming platform, uh, Delta and Flight Movies. Who knows if they exist elsewhere? No one knows. Then we have Netflix session. We have Ali Wong's Don Wong, newest Netflix comedy special, fucking hilarious oh my god we have the alpinist and then uh 14 peaks which ky just recommended as a quick fast follow in alpine territory documentary series and then the last thing i would say is i'm gonna i almost want to skip it even though it's probably worth talking about on its own but picked up fellowship of the ring director's cut as peter jackson first imagined it three hours and 20 minutes or something insane it is so much better than i remember it just flies by that three and a half hours flies by it does and i remember i remember like when i okay so read i read the books the first time i read them a couple times when i was in sixth grade long time ago then i watched the movies like when everyone else did right back in the days when they came out and then when did the return of the king win the academy award hold please Dude, it's insane how much people love these movies when they came out. I mean, it was like yeah, 2003. Yeah, won 11 Oscars. Which is mind-boggling to think about yeah. the Lord of the Rings winning that many Oscars. So, read the books when I was nine, right? And then like four or five years ago, started watching the movies. I've always been a fan since then. Peter Jackson's a fucking genius. He like defined how you do fantasy of like epic fantasy in this style. Long story short, Fellowship of the Ring was always my least favorite movie uh, of the trilogy. Completely reversed course. Wow. Fellowship is 
as an adult who like cares a little bit less about like just pure sword sequences the battles which i still care about by the way they're awesome but wow what a, an amazing tour de force peter jackson great okay let's put that aside i just wanted to bring it up i spent that time completely out of the blue best three hours i spent of the last four weeks the other ones i want to say that we should just talk about next time that we i don't i don't feel prepared to talk about right now because they're so heavy is power of the dog in nine days Power of the Dog, I think they're both up for Oscars. Power of the Dog, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, as we talked about, is doing a reasonably good American accent. And it's like a Western in which he is sort of like a bad dude, uh, an, an inherently bad guy you, you're not supposed to like. And his relationship with his, his brother and his uh, sister-in-law uh, in the West and like there's an inheritance piece of the story like very I would say very good movie that I've seen two-thirds of um, before I had to I, I left and felt um, and I, I, it's not that I stopped it because I didn't want to watch it but it requires like full attention and, I, and we were like preparing for vacation same with nine days nine days is about um, it's a pretty I guess heady alleg- like pretty extended metaphor allegory the mdb looks really heady yeah about like people interviewing to to for a chance to be born yeah i was gonna say to be alive so yeah i guess a chance to be born really really good but i don't want to talk about it now because we need we like i would like actually we should both finish watching those movies i think is what i would propose and then cover them next epi because yeah they are um the two heaviest hitters I've watched probably in the last three months. Wow. Both extraordinary movies, I think. Great. Yeah, I, I actually have not even heard of Nine Days, so I'm definitely going to check that out. And yeah, I still need to watch Power of the Dog. The only thing I had heard so far was that this... some I can't remember what review this was, but they said this is Benedict Cumberbatch's career-defining role. And I was like, that is a bold statement. I need to watch this thing. I mean that's extremely bold, but I would, I'd say it's right. He he, it's the most compelling, engrossing story I've watched in a in a while, and that doesn't mean I like it in terms of it doesn't mean it doesn't make you it doesn't make you feel good. It's no Resident Evil or Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah. um, it's no Doctor Strange. Yeah, like I feel like I've been like shooting the shit about stuff that's like fun, happy-go-lucky, or horror, like. cheap thrills that like hollywood's been throwing at me power of the dog and nine days are both like um i mean they're 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 like high art i mean those are those are films that we we actually they deserve like a full hour almost uh of conversation so yeah i'm definitely i mean we have imitation game and it's like if you're comparing that to imitation game and this one's supposed to be career defining like wow but yeah i can't wait to check both of these out it's it's been definitely been too long since I've gotten deep into like a high art masterpiece style piece of content. The masterpiece. Yeah. Gotten soft. <sighs> Gun. Yeah. You and me both, my friend. Let's do that. That's a great, maybe that's a great hook. Hook. Hook and, and I can't talk. Hook into the next episode. Yeah. We should, we should focus on Power of the Dog in Nine Days. I also would Down. love to throw out this. Have you heard of Mass, the movie uh, Mass? No. If we're going to go heavy. I want to go real heavy. Maybe we should do... I've been looking, frankly, for like a... Wow, this looks heavy. Yeah, I've been looking for an excuse to watch it. I keep like opening it up and being like, I'm not ready. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I've heard it's one of, if not the best movie of uh, 2021. Um, it's about... It's about two sets of parents that are essentially in a room. Uh, it's almost like a a play. And when I say it's like a play, I mean like most plays, given the fact that they are physically on a stage, have like limited space and cast restrictions, right? So it's the the whole movie, I, th- I think, uh, is like only a handful of characters and it's in like a room in a church. Uh, and it's about one set of parents talking to another set of parents. The one set of parents' son killed, like m- murdered, the other parents' uh, son, uh, I believe. And um, wow, 
extremely heavy, but apparently very, very powerful movie. Again, up for being potentially the best of of the year. So let's do this. How do you feel about doing Power of the Dog, Nine Days, and Mass together next time? <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, I just need to set aside some time to watch those, but uh, let's do it. Amazing. Apparently, there's a lot of crying involved in all of these movies. So, um, like, as in, we will be crying. The last play-like movie I saw was actually an A24 special with Tom Hardy called Locke. If you've seen oh. that. Why have you not talked to me about this? Oh, yeah. We got to talk about this at some point. L-O-C-K-E. And the entire movie is just a camera facing Tom Hardy while he's driving a car and he's on the phone to somebody. And that's it. Oh, you did. You did bring this up. Probably. Yeah. You definitely did. 2013 movie psychological drama directed by Steve Knight. It's a little Timmy Hardy special. Tim Hardy before... He was known yeah. as his defining role of Bane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> While the plot, an evening before, he must supervise a large concrete pour in Birmingham. Classic. Actually, I'm just going to leave it there. You find out the rest for yourselves, dear listener. Great pitch. All right, well, you heard it here first. So this was a weird, weird one for us. We had a either plane-based or uh, stressful home-searching-based list of film, TV show, podcasts. Yeah, well, it was good to catch up. But let's just say that we went, we're, gonna, we're going from light hitters to the heaviest of the heavy hitters in 2021, I think, with our next episode. Power of the Dog, Nine Days, Mass. I'm actually worried we're going to do a disservice to them. So maybe we're going to get into it and be like, let's push one off. Yeah, probably. To a separate epi. But yeah, I'm really excited for you to like watch some of these because I've like gotten partway through uh, two of them and it is a, um, it's heavy. Late Western capitalism will feature if you've been missing it. And at least I've definitely been missing films. it. Uh, but <laughs> I've been missing it consciously, but uh, yeah, I feel like <laughs> consciously after after feedback, <laughs> more limited listener base. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I feel like it's like our first two episodes. We're just like, let's kind of get into the groove. We're kind of you know testing the waters, but let's not be pussies. Let's dive in. Let's get into the let's meat. Dive in. The water is is warm. It's lukewarm. Yeah, very Luke. It's like a P P temperature. But uh, so on that note. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sincerely glad you figured out your housing situation. That sounds extremely stressful as a landowner. I would say. Yeah. Uh, You know, those things are no longer a problem for me, but I can commiserate. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else? That's about it. Just uh, the rest of the year, it's going to be all dubs from here. So I got all my L's out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> all dubs. You, you heard that here first, too. Uh, so that's going to be hopefully in a recording somewhere on the internet. <laughs> KY is only going to be a winner for the rest of 2022. Let's check back in. <laughs> Let's check back in next month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>